She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Season 4. Episode 24. Gethsemane. This episode is a myth arc episode, the fourth season finale, and it originally aired on Sunday, May 18th, 1997, <gasps> which means it was 10 days from my birthday and I was probably really excited. School was almost out. My school never got out till June, so not quite there, but and yeah. And you were going to be 15. Wait, 17. Yes, that is how math works. Okay. Yes, <laughs> I, was gonna... I was like, was I only 15 in 97? Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. This episode was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and it was written by Chris Carter and directed by R.W. Goodwin. In it, the frozen body of an alien is found in the mountains, but is it real or some kind of hoax? Hmm. NASA Symposium, Boston University, November 20th, 1972. Dr. Richard Bresden an astronomy professor and historian of science at Boston University is speaking and says that with each passing year, our estimate of the probability of other life forms increases, as does our possibility of detecting it. Many scientists now believe that contact with another form of life is a likely natural event that will perhaps occur in our lifetimes. Whoa. And this is a real NASA symposium, correct? Like, I believe it is like a real... Yes, there's actually a link in the show notes. Okay, because no. I meant to look it up, and then I no. but I'm like, I believe these are real. These are real. These are people. real people. Well, I mean, they show yes. Carl Sagan too, so you're kind of like, oh, yeah. Well, real. yeah, Carl so, Sagan's in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the symposium is not faked in any way. It's no, really it is a real. Hour. It's like it's less than half an hour. You can watch it. There's a link on YouTube. Boom. Cool. And obviously, what we see was something on a television screen is what yes. we were doing. Got that super grainy looking, like you know, cathode tube action going on. Scully arrives at Mulder's apartment, which is now a crime scene. Uh -oh. She flashes her badge to get inside. A detective, Detective Rimpolsky, thanks Scully for coming down. There's a body on the floor by the couch, between the couch and the coffee table, covered in a sheet. Rimpolsky removes the sheet from the body's face and is like, is it him? And she nods and says, yeah, before leaving the room. We don't see the body. But we do see Jillian Anderson whipping out those face cards because, man, this episode is, oh, my God. It's anyway, a lot of her face. I think she does good face. acting in this episode. but she, I think the exact opposite. But anyway. So. She has a lot of emotional moments in this, in this episode. And it's Mulder's apartment, so we can kind of guess who the body is supposed to be. You can yeah, and kind also, of put that together. Chris Carter wrote this and he loves Scully and possibly Jillian Anderson, I think. And so this is a very Scully heavy episode, at least as Listen, far as everyone like, loved Jillian Anderson in 1997. Uh, except for me. Anyway, <laughs> I just, I've never, I've just never, it's weird because I am, I am, I am a red, maybe because she's not a real redhead, but I'm a redhead fiend. And I've, I never, even at the time, I, I was just never into Jillian Anderson or Scully I never felt it. It's so funny because so. there was a meme I saw today on like Twitter that was like, you know, 
new X-Files fans, old X-Files fans, like, I don't know, just other stuff she's been in. And it was like someone coming along and like slapping everyone's hand. And it was like turning people gay. <laughs> it's Jillian Anderson. Oh, I, oh, I have so <laughs> many feelings about the whole gay thing. And Jillian. Anderson. I mean, obviously, obviously did not turn anybody gay. But I mean, a lot of young people watching the X-Files at my age. Yeah, I have I have issues with celebrities and gayness sometimes because it seems like a lot of times celebrities are gay when they have something coming out and when they don't have something coming out. Well, it's not cuz she's gay. gay. The idea isn't that no, she's gay. No, but she has she has played the gay card several times when something new is coming out and I'm not a fan yeah. of that. So, anyway, enough of that. I, I just know that a lot of people watching the X-Files in the 90s who were my age were very much like, "Oh." Yeah, not me. <laughs> so, yeah, not well, you're me. not. <laughs> yes, well, you're not. <laughs> I'm not I mean I'm not gay. So you're not at least not or you know, gay. Anyway, so as far I mean, as I if know. If I am, if I I mean there's Skinner, Skinner. I mean there's a there's a Kinsey scale, right? Anyway, we're yeah. not gonna get into that right now. Let's get through this episode. Skinner will make me gay, <laughs> but not Jillian Anderson, because I'm you know, I'm male presenting, so I we can't were, be gay yeah, if I'm exactly. Jillian Anderson. Yeah, that would be the opposite of true, yes. Yeah. Anyway, FBI headquarters, Washington, DC. Scully walks into a conference room full of people, and Section Chief Blevins asks her to take a seat. She sits at the table, and he asks her if she can restate the manner they're here to put to rest. To the group, she says that four years ago, Section Chief Blevins assigned her to a project they all know as the X-Files. As she's a medical doctor with a background in hard science, her job was to provide an analytical perspective on the work of Special Agent Fox Mulder, whose investigations into the paranormal were fueled by his personal belief that his sister was abducted by aliens when he was 12. She says she comes here today to report on the illegitimacy of Mulder's work. It is her scientific opinion that he became a victim of his own false hopes and of his belief in the biggest of lies. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. That's the insert show. Again, yeah, it's not the X-Files. But it's just so catchy. I'm sorry. <laughs> and this episode, the tagline is not the truth is out there. It is. Believe the lie. <gasps> Which one? I don't know. Also, this is a shortened theme song. It doesn't have the stupid, like, seeds and the face dude, which I really like. And I have to admit, I haven't really been watching the opening themes lately. So I don't know if they've been shortening it all along or if they just did it for this one. I can't tell you. But in this one, it is is definitely the shortened theme one that I I don't know, because I just pay attention to the end to see if it says something other than the truth is out there. Like, I have it on, but I don't like watching it. Yeah, I just scroll. I just, like, shoot past it. I'm like, like, I just just scrub right past it when I'm watching the video. So, yeah, so I don't know if it has been shorter or not in the past, and I haven't mentioned it, but this one is definitely shorter. So, and I like it. And, hey, we've never done this for Blevins because he doesn't appear much after the pilot. <laughs> we did not have real notes in the pilot. God help us. I have not no. heard that episode since, like, the week it came out. I have no idea how we even got through a whole podcast episode, to be honest. No, nope. I anyway. remember, like, silencing a lot of paper shuffling in that episode because I know yeah. I was using sheets we, of paper. Uh-huh. So. I had a notebook. So, yeah, I don't yeah. even know. We were flying off the cuff we've gotten more organized for sure so i searched their notes and i couldn't find anything about the actor so if we have talked about him i apologize i don't think we have blevins is played by charles kioffi or siafi 
He started acting in 1969, and he's been in episodes of Hawaii Five-O, Matlock, Wings, which is, you know, favorite show of mine, Murder, She Wrote, Dave's World, which is the short-lived sitcom based loosely on the life of humorous Dave Barry. I remember really liking the show. It did not last long, but I also really like Dave Barry. And he was on Frasier, among others. He's been in a lot of, like, one episode of things. Do you know if the Hawaii Five-O was the original or the it was. reboot? Yeah. Oh, it was. Oh, wow. It was the original. Yeah. Oh, that's a big jump from Hawaii. Even from Matlock, that's a big jump from Hawaii Five-O to Matlock. Wow. Yeah, there's probably a bunch of stuff in the middle that I was like, I don't know what that is. So I oh, just listened yeah, to the stuff sense. where I'm like, eh, you know, these are the things that I watched personally. So yeah, we both I, kind of there to grab the shit that we think is like, oh, that's interesting. So yeah. So on the episode's title, Gethsemane, from Botanica.com, Gethsemane, also the Garden of Gethsemane, is a garden across the Kidron Valley on the Mount of Olives. In Hebrew, it is called Har Azetim. It is a ridge paralleling the eastern part of Jerusalem where Jesus is said to have prayed on the night of his arrest before the crucifixion. The name Gethsemane, which is the Hebrew Gat Shemanin, which I have an easier time saying than the other word, which means oil press, suggests that the garden was a grove of olive trees in which was located an olive press, which makes sense. Jesus's sorrowful time of prayer and subsequent betrayal and arrest in Gethsemane is described in all four Gospels, Matthew 26, 36, 56, Mark 14, 32, 50, Luke 22, 39, 53, and John 18, 112. Though the place is only named in the Gospel according to Matthew and the Gospel according to Mark, the first two. Which begs the question, if they're using that as the title, who is the Judas in this episode? Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know. It's a good question. There's a lot of options, actually. Yeah, you can argue it many ways. I mean, there's really two options. <laughs> two stars, but yes. So. <laughs> I was thinking of other, yeah, anyway. So then we're at the St. Elias Mountains in the Yukon Territory in Canada. We see a helicopter flying over snow-capped mountains, and in the back seat, one of the men, Arlinsky, tells the other man, Babcock, that they're meeting the guide at base camp, and he'll take them to the site. Babcock asks if he's seen it, and Arlinsky says, oh yeah, he says it's unbelievable. The helicopter lands at the base camp on the snowy mountain, and they ask the guide how long it'll take to get to the site. He says they'd be pushing it to get there by nightfall, but neither of them wants to wait until the next day, so they decide to go for it. Later, we see them scaling the mountain, and then it's nighttime, and they're still hiking. Seems dangerous. Luckily, there's another camp at the cave at the site, so it's not just like a site where there's nothing there. There's already like a camp set up, so they're not hiking to this place and are going to be fucked, you know, because it's nighttime. So that's good, because that's what I thought was going to happen. I was like, ooh. You never want to hike somewhere and be fucked. No, no. I mean, well, yeah. Scaling in in context, yes. (laughs) Uh, And so the men go past one of the tents to one of the cave walls where, frozen in the ice is an alien body clearly visible. (gasps) Whoa. Yeah. 
Also, I when I was watching this the first time around, I was like, Babcock is sus. There's something sus about that guy. Like, I do not trust him. I have a question because coming to the I I we know what the fuck is going on with the X Files. It's like we can't avoid future knowledge, right? I mean, it's just you can't. But like, try, I try to come blind to the episode sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. What made you think he was sus? Because I could not see it in this scene. So something in the helicopter when he was talking to him, and then like. I don't know. There was just something about him that seemed off to me when he was like asking Erlinski about it and then talking to the guy. Like he just seemed kind of pushy. I don't know. There was something about him that seemed suspicious. And then I was like, oh, I'm wrong later in the episode. So, like, you know, that was just my gut I mean, feeling. You're not wrong. But I, it, yeah, eventually. But I mean, there, you're wrong and then also not wrong. You're like both. He just, he seemed, he struck me as suspicious. Like Erlinski seemed sincere. Babcock seemed like he had something else going on. There was something suspicious about him mm. to me. Maybe I just watch a lot of TV. Maybe the <laughs> dude had read ahead in the script, possibly, and was just giving off some vibe. I mean, he obviously knows who his character is, but I mean, maybe there was, I think there was something about him, and like, I think because he just seemed less, he was making faces in the helicopter that struck me as like, huh, I don't hmm. know. There was, okay. yeah, something about him that just struck me as suspicious. I had seen your note prior to my viewing, and so I was watching for something that seemed sus, and I just didn't see anything. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, I know maybe, it's got a vibe. Um, I just got I'm a vibe. Just not there. I do have to say, maybe it's my like post-traumatic X-Files disorder, but the tents in the cave reminded me of honeycombs. Oh, maybe because they're all maybe. yellow, and uh-huh. then they're like you know they're 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 hexagons because they're those kind of tents, and so like they're and they're all lit from inside when we see them, and it's nighttime. And it just looks like a bunch of fucking like beehive shit. And I was like, oh, no, not bees. So thankfully no no. bees in this episode. So, yeah. So back in the conference room, Scully is asked about her break from Mulder. She says recent events have shed new light on his pursuit for the truth and the factual evidence of extraterrestrial life on Earth. What evidence, Blevins asks. Scully says Mulder was duped by a man who claimed to be seeking the same truce. Mulder fell for what amounted to a scientific sleight of hand calculated to perpetrate falsehoods, and Scully is there to expose this lie and show the mechanism that drew them both into it and expose Mulder's work for what it is. Whoa. Which is a very Chris Carter written speech, I have to say. Like, it's, yeah. it's good. I'm sorry, Chris Carter. It is very you. I do have a question. <laughs> so, to go back on exactly what I said earlier, and I'm going to use future knowledge to like look at this statement she says, who it can't be, like she says, was duped by a man who claimed to be seeking the same truth. Mulder has believed this shit for a long time. So she mm-hmm. can't be referring to just the people in this episode, but then she doesn't know about it. She doesn't have evidence for anybody else. So who well, I think she about? means that he believed it until then, but he has recently been duped by somebody. So Chris Carter is this is his very flowery way of saying that Scully believes, as she is telling Blevins, what she really believes. We'll probably find out in the next episode, but. What she is saying to Blevins is that Mulder has been on this quest since he was 12 when he believed his sister was abducted by aliens. And recently he has been duped by a man who brought him like fake evidence 
that you know he completely believed which now throws into question to her and possibly to the fbi all his previous evidence because if he could be so convinced by a fake like this what other proof has he gathered that was also not true i don't know it's just mm, i don't know it's very yeah it's honestly you're not supposed to think super hard about it but that yeah it's just because like what about i mean this is the the connection to the first season season finale and then the second season opener is gonna come up a little bit no actually no it's the second season finale the second season finale third yeah. season opener actually yeah, yeah that's what it is the blessing way um, yeah. blessing way yeah anasazi and, uh, anasazi like what about all those aliens that smolder saw in the train car and then what, what about aliens like, the cigarette smoking man burned them all well <laughs> I have video evidence that there were aliens in there before Mulder before they got burned. No, but I know, and but then, I, yeah. And then what about like the train car in mm-hmm. like Nisei and stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, like, are like who who perpetrated those frauds? Like, is or, I, I, right. I don't know. It's just it's like this said, is literally just to... talking about this incident, right? And it's I, not yeah. talking about. Everything it's just like else. Mulder's believed this shit for since he was twelve, literally. Uh-huh. Like, so, and maybe possibly before, I don't know. Like, we never really get into that aspect. I mean, we had that whole, like, I saw a mantis in a tree and it was an alien bullshit that we got. That we just ignore. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It just seems, yeah. Chris Carter. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, I mean, one, yeah. And then, like, there's just, there's a lot going on here. Because I also don't believe that Scully believes what she's telling Blevins. It's just a whole fucking subterfuge and it's it's all i mean i'm sure it will become clear in the season five whatever it is season premiere thing that they do when the show starts back up again anyway then we're at scully's mom's house and she's having a dinner party and obviously scully's there and scully's brother bill arrives and they hug and they talk and there's a priest, Father McHugh, who arrives, and Scully looks uncomfortable when he shows up. She's not super happy That's to see him. That's because she's the demon. I mean, she might. I mean, there's an argument to made that she is Judas in this, and that is, I don't disagree. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, that's how it's written, right? Like, if Mulder is Jesus and Mulder is well, Jesus. Well, I mean, and there's also the argument that Mulder is Judas because he had been Scully in her cancer. Which cancer is going to come up in this yeah, episode? Yeah. I mean, so yeah. Either way, either way. So later they're sitting around the table, and Scully's brother gets up to go get another bottle of wine. And you know she was kind of sitting at the end of the table with her brother and the priest. So once the brother gets up, the priest like seizes his opportunity, and he's sitting next to Scully. As priests like, are note to do. <laughs> yes, creepy bastards. Yes. <laughs> He's like, well, I feel a little awkward, but your mother asked me to come and have a word with you. And McHugh mentions that it's been a while since they've talked, since she's drifted from the church. And Scully tells him she appreciates his concern and her mother's, but she's being treated for her cancer and taking every precaution. He tells her that faith can make one stronger, but she says she hasn't felt the need. She has strength. And the religious faith thing is just not who she is. She'd be lying to herself and to him. And then the phone rings and Bill, who answered the phone, calls that it's for Scully. So she excuses herself and then it's Mulder on the phone. Shock of shocks. I know we're all completely baffled. Which means she must like let him know where she's at at all times. (laughs) 
Because he called her mom's house. Uh, well, you know, if they were at work or whatever, you know, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm going to my mom's for dinner. But they talk. They interact a lot, right? They're partners. They probably know a lot about each other's schedules and lives. Okay. So he apologizes for interrupting her dinner. And she asks if something's the matter. He tells her he needs her help on something. Dr. Arlinsky from the Smithsonian just contacted him. And Scully's like, what about? And he says about something he found in Canada. Mulder doesn't want to talk about it over the phone, but he needs her to meet him at the Smithsonian right away. And her brother looks unhappy as she tells Mulder that she's on her way. Yeah, talk about sus. Like, Scully's brother just stands there listening to her conversation, and he's in the Navy, we assume, because he's all, like, in his Navy uniform when he shows mm-hmm. up. And he's named Bill. Like yep. you're saying. Like, mm. so, yeah. So, Scully's brother's Bill, and again, another fucking William in X-Files, is played by Pat Skipper, who looks like he might be part Busey, but he isn't, or at least <laughs> isn't does. known to be. So he's definitely got that Gary Busey look. This is his second episode as Bill Jr., though it's the first that we have seen because this scene from Memento Mori was actually cut and never aired. So he filmed it, but he played a redneck in Independence Day if he wants some aliens tie-ins. And he is still active. He's been in Ed Gein with Steve Railback, who played Dwayne Barry in The X-Files. He was in the Unfortunate Night Stalker reboot by Frank Spotnix, which was really an unfortunate Millennium reboot, if we're being honest. He's been in Bones, Criminal Minds, Medium, Mad Men, Bosch, and Yellowstone, among others. Nice. Yeah. So then we are at the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C. Mulder tells Scully that he'll have to apologize to her mother and her brother, but this couldn't wait. And he tells Scully that Arlinsky is a forensic anthropologist who Mulder has been in contact with over the past four years. Several years ago, he was involved in an embarrassing UFO photo enhancement scandal, but continues to profess his innocence. Scully asks what she's come to see, and he says he's not going to tell her. She can decide for herself. So Arlinsky has a projector screen up. And we see on the wall, boom, alien in the ice. And he says by his estimate using ice core samples, the body is over 200 years old. Mulder's like, it's perfectly intact. That seems odd. There should be some signs of predation. And Arlinsky says that it was found in a crevice and may have frozen fast enough to avoid being eaten. Also, I mean, maybe I didn't want to eat alien bodies. This is nasty. But who knows? (laughs) Scully asks who found him, and Arlinsky says a Canadian geodetic survey team along with his colleague, Babcock. He shows Scully a photo of the team with himself and Babcock standing around the alien body visible in the ice. They're still up there on the mountain, he tells her. Mulder asks who knows about this, and Arlinsky knows what he's getting at, but says the St. Elias mountain range is a long way to go for a hoax. He admits he's circumspect himself, but the ice core samples he took couldn't have been faked. Scully asks if he has them there, and he does, and he takes one out of the freezer, and he says he has one from either side of the body, 360-degree matching sediment. It's his sincere belief that what they have here is a complete corpus of an extraterrestrial biological entity. <gasps> E.B. E.B. That was the phrase in the 1990s, E.B. Yeah, I don't know if it was or if it was just X Files. I, no, I guess it was. In trust UFO me, circles. I was. Yeah, yeah, okay. I was, yeah, I was into that shit in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. I was a believer at one point. 
Oh, I mean, I was too, but I was <laughs> some teenager who really wanted to believe just like Mulder. I still do. No, I was downloading the Krill papers from fucking sketchy internet sites and yeah, all that kind of <laughs> shit. So, yeah. Yeah. Mulder says if he goes public with this, no one will believe him and the people who work to hide the truth will bury it. But Arlinsky says that's why he came to Mulder. He needs to get the body out of the ice so he can authenticate it. With it, Mulder will have the proof in his hands. Arlinsky just wants the credit. Mulder smiles and Scully don't look happy at all. <laughs> She's not. <laughs> He's like, I left a party to come here with the I know. She's like, okay. <laughs> well, to be fair, I don't think she was having much fun at the dinner party anyway, no, being accosted by yeah. the priest. But I don't yeah, still. I don't think her and her brother have an awesome relationship either. So yeah. As they leave, Mulder asks Scully if she thinks this is foolish. She says she has no opinion, but proving the existence of alien life is not her last dying wish. What about Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny, Mulder asks. Mulder tells her it's not some selfish pet project of his. He's as skeptical of Arlinsky as she is, but if there is definite proof, it would change everything. There's no greater scientific discovery. She asks what difference it makes to him. He already believes. So what will it change? So he asks her if someone could prove the existence of God, would it change her? She says only if it had been disproven. She doesn't think it can be proven. And he's like, well, what if it could be? Wouldn't that knowledge be worth seeking? Or is it easier believing the lie? <gasps> Scully says she can't go with him. He asks if she'll at least look at the core samples and tell him if they're a lie. Back in the conference room, Scully says what she couldn't tell Mulder, what she'd only just learned herself, was that her cancer had metastasized. The doctors told her short of a miracle, it will continue to advance faster toward the inevitable. <gasps> it's a commercial. Which, that's some bad news. That's not the news you want to get, so. Yeah, I have a feeling there's going to be some miracles happening, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, if the cigarette smoking man has promised, um, I mean, that guy might be a douchebag, but I think he's usually pretty true to his word. Yeah, also, on... we know that we have, like, what, like, six more seasons to go? <laughs> we also seven, know she's immortal so... <laughs> because Clyde Ruckman said so, so, yeah, you so, know. Yeah, there's literally... lots of things going on here that we are aware of, yes. Yes, which we were not aware of in 1997, though, because you never knew, right? Like, Well, just... I mean, you knew that Clyde Ruckman said she was immortal. We did, but you, who knew if that, you know, who knows if he was We joking. also know it was television, so, mm -hmm. yeah. At the mountain camp, they're cutting the alien body out of the ice with a chainsaw. So they're like cutting, you know, a big square around it of ice, basically. Babcock is sitting in his tent loading a gun and the guide asks what it's for. See, this is us too. Like he's like, you know, the guy's like, what's that for? And he's like, I don't know these men well. I don't know. It's just a little suspicious. I mean, if you're cutting an alien at ice, you might think that people might be, you know, I don't know. That's true. He asks if the guide does, and he says, well, enough. Babcock says he'll be alone with them until the guide returns, and he hopes he doesn't have to use it. Someone appears at the tent and says Babcock should come look at something. Over at the ice wall, one of the workmen points out a bubble in the ice. 
he's unsure what it is. It could be a bubble. It could be a weak spot. The guide says it could be some kind of hole to pour liquid in from above or from the side. But Ooh. Babcock says the angle wouldn't make any sense. And the guide kind of agrees. Babcock says, well, we won't know till we get the body out of there. So the chainsawing resumes. And then we see the guide trekking down the mountain alone. Yeah, which we'll learn why shortly. Why yes. he's leaving. Because I mean, Babcock does says like, oh, you're leaving. I'm going to be stuck here with these people until you come yes. back. So and we'll find out why shortly. Mm-hmm. But before that, we are at the Paleoclimatology Lab, American University. A scientist, Dr. Vita Galanio, is looking at the ice core. He tells Scully the concentration density and temperature profiles are consistent. There's a tight matrix of crystals at the center, suggesting a quick freezing scenario. And at the terminus, there are some hydrocarbons, residual from jet fuel, found everywhere around the world. And Scully is like, well, if this means the ice isn't as old as it is, if it has jet fuel in it, right? And he's like, no, the sample has numerous layers of sedimentation. So she's like, so it hasn't been tampered with? And he says, not as far as I can see. So jet fuel in the ice from like 200 years ago? That's weird. Well, I think he's saying that's at the top layer, whereas like the other, but yeah, I don't know exactly how that works. I don't know. Because they are ice cores from the sides, I think. So I don't know. I don't know how they took the cores either. Like, I don't know what direction. Yeah. Also, like, what's his face says they took like 360 degrees and we saw they just took like two from the side. So that's not 360 degrees, dude. But anyway. He asks where the sample came from, and she tells him a site in Yucatan territory. He points out some cells within the matrix, and she asks if they're plant or animal. And he says that he'd have to classify it as some kind of chimera, a hybrid cell, and wants to take it to the electron microscope. And Scully's like, yes, I think that would be a good idea. So then at the camp, everyone is in their tents for the night. And we see them turn out the lights and everything's dark. And then someone comes in and they start shooting a shotgun. Kapow, kapow, killing everybody. Mm-hmm. Not good. No. I guess Babcock was smart to have a gun after all. I mean, oh, it didn't seem to work. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So Mulder and Arlinsky arrive on the mountain in a helicopter. Mulder says he thought someone was meeting them, and Arlinsky says yes, but no one is at the base camp, and there is no guide there. So, yeah, not sure what's going on. So they go inside the communications tent, and Arlinsky is confused. He's like, this was all arranged. Like, they were supposed to meet us, take us up. Like, I'm not really sure what to do. Then we see them scaling the side of the mountain without a guide, so just by themselves. And part of the way up, they find the guy dead in the snow, shot. So, guess we know what happened to him now. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, he was going to meet them and take them up to the site. So, yes. Thankfully, yeah. it hasn't snowed, so they're able to follow the tracks up to the site, which is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So, they keep heading up. And meanwhile, Scully arrives in the lab, and there's a man in a suit standing there. And she asked for Dr. Vitagliano because he was helping her. She was supposed to meet him, but she's running late. The man's like, oh, he's not here. And then he quickly leaves with an ice core shaped container. She notices the fridge is open and there's a couple ice core containers just kind of like spilling out. But like, you know, the fridge isn't even closed or the freezer or whatever it is. And so she follows the man out of the lab and goes into the stairwell trying to find him. 
he jumps out at her and attacks and he hits her and he knocks her down the stairs before he escapes. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, she goes down them stairs. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mulder and Arlinsky arrive at the site and it's nighttime and dark and Mulder pulls out his flashlight and heads inside. And they find all the bodies of the people in their tents. They run to the ice wall and they see the alien body has been removed from the ice and the whole square of ice is now gone. <gasps> Arlinsky says no one knew. They didn't tell a soul. Mulder's like, well, they had radio communication. Maybe it was being monitored. Then they hear a moan and they realize someone is still alive. And it's Babcock. He was shot, but luckily it didn't go deep and it has stopped bleeding. Arlinsky tells Babcock they took the alien body, but Babcock says, no, I buried it. So they move a tent that's just outside the cave and beneath it, covered in snow, is the block of ice with the alien body. Whoa, good job, Babcock. Yeah, so I guess maybe I was wrong to be suspicious about him. Sorry, he man. He was suspicious about everyone else. <laughs> Obviously, had all the other guys help him move it. There was no way he was going to be. Well, myself. I don't think he was. I think he was more worried someone was going to show up and take it. Not yeah, 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 yeah. Site, but, but yeah. yeah. So then Scully is in an exam room, and we see her putting her shirt back on, and we little bra action. Woo! Anyway, there are some splotches of blood on the back of her shirt, which I'm like, how did that happen? But anyway. We don't really know because she doesn't seem to have like contusions or like open gashes on her back, but her back of her shirt's got blood on it. Anyway, her brother Bill comes in and she's also, she's fucked up. She's got like bruises on her face and stuff because she mm -hmm, fell down a bunch yeah. of stairs. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, her brother Bill comes in and he got the message she left for her mom and brought her a change of clothes. And she's like, well, where's mom? And he's like, I didn't tell her. And then he asks what happened, and she tells him that she was knocked down a flight of stairs, but that she's okay. And he's like, you're not okay. And he knows about her cancer, and Scully is like, I asked Mom not to tell you. But Bill is like, why? And she's like, I didn't want sympathy. It's a personal matter. And I'm kind of like, well, I mean, I'm not a family person. Like, I'm basically an orphan by choice. But kind of, he's also like, dude, he's your brother you probably want to know. yeah you should tell your family especially if it's progressed that far like you know i get maybe not wanting to tell when it's first diagnosed and you're maybe hoping you can you know tell them after you fixed it or whatever but like once it's progressed that far uh, yeah, yeah the whole like i don't want sympathy is kind of like okay weird all right fine whatever he also tells her that he knows it's gotten worse and, and it's like why are you still working like getting knocked downstairs. Like, what are you trying to prove? Like that you're going to go out fighting? And he asks if she knows what this is putting their mom through. And why does he think he didn't tell her about this? And Scully is like, well, what should I be doing? And Bill says, we have a responsibility to the people in our lives. And she's just like, just because I haven't bared my soul to you or Father McHugh or to God, doesn't mean I'm not responsible for what matters to me. And he's like, what? Is it Mulder? Where is he at? What's going on with him? And Scully is like, thank you for bringing some clothes. And just like leaves. Boom. She's gone. Mm -hmm. I kind of see both sides on this one, honestly. So. Yeah, I do too. Like I get like the mom is obviously struggling. She has, I mean, she has been through a lot since the series started. Mm -hmm. Since Scully started with the X-Files. And now her only living daughter is now dying of cancer and just... 
Yeah, it's rough. But at the same time, I don't know. I also get Scully, like when she says she doesn't want sympathy, I think what she means is she doesn't want pity and she doesn't want to be treated like she's ill or incapable. But like if you're getting to the end there, I mean, there's going to become a point where you are, you know, at the point where you can't you know necessarily do things and so i don't know it's rough it's not it's not a fun situation for anyone to be in and i don't think scully's handling it well but i don't know that anybody does because i don't know that there's a great way to handle that kind of awful awful stuff so and also like i said he gives off gary Busey vibes which then i'm like okay lethal weapon you're a bad guy so maybe you're not great (laughs) so yeah so then we're in southeast washington dc Mulder opens a door at a loading dock and he and Arlinsky pull a crate from a truck. Mulder opens the crate and inside is the frozen alien body. They lower the ice block into a vat of some kind of liquid. It might be hot water. It might be something more scientifically formulated. I don't know. The point is to melt the ice around the body, right? Mm-hmm. So they stand over it and Arlinsky says they should be able to do a good enough exam here to remove any depth. Mulder says they won't know for sure without carbon dating. Arlinsky says the physiology alone will probably be telltale. Mulder points out that the Piltdown Man hoax wasn't uncovered for 40 years until they could carbon date it. Babcock says there are six men dead up on that mountain. Someone sure thinks it's not a hoax. So actually it was 41 years and it was actually fluorine absorption dating. It wasn't carbon dating. It was also okay. the first time that fluorine absorption dating was used on human bones. Oh, neat. The Piltdown Man, yeah. And also, I'm embarrassed to admit that I sometimes get the Cardiff Giant and the Piltdown Man mixed up. And when I was watching this, I was livid that Mulder thought the carbon dating was used to expose the Cardiff Giant. And then I decided to look into it just to see. And then I was embarrassed because I was dumb and I just got them mixed up. Because the Cardiff Giant was a fucking carving, so obviously it was fake. Like it wasn't. Whereas the Piltdown Man was like, someone had assembled like bones from different stuff and said it was a skull. And so, mm. yeah. So I was embarrassed cause I got the mixed up. They're both men. Well, actually they're not men. That's... One's a giant, one's a man, but I got the mixed well, up. Well, but you know, you, I don't know. Like I listen to podcasts about like all this stuff all the time and like I do it while I'm working. So like I'm mostly listening, but like I miss things. And then, you know, if I listen to a lot of stuff at once or, you know, I watch a lot of episodes of unsolved mysteries in the nineties or whatever, like it's easy for stuff to get like mixed up in your head if you're not, you know, yeah. actively thinking about it. So, yeah, but I was like, Piltdown man, carbon dating. And then I was like, Oh, dumbass, you were thinking of the Cardiff giant, not the Piltdown man, mm-hmm. put the man with a skull. And then I learned that it actually was fluorine absorption. So, which actually was a little bit sketchy because it turns out that like fluorine is not absorbed at a constant rate. So like the dating can be iffy, but Mm -hmm. it was 1953 and, but it still proved enough that like, oh yeah, part of it was like a 500 year old skull and part of it was an orangutan and like the teeth had been filed. So even that just physical evidence was like, but yeah, so man, fake. So, yep. Then we're at the FBI Psy Crime Lab, which again is the most ridiculous name ever, but apparently it's like the real name. So whatever, FBI. In Washington, D.C., a tech tells Scully that they ran prints from the paleoclimatology lab and the stairwell and found ones that match both. Scully asks if they've run it through the NCIC, and the tech says, unfortunately, there's no criminal record. Then Scully suggests she try the federal database, and a match comes up. Michael Krichgau, formerly U.S. Army, now attached to the Pentagon's research division. 
And then she pulls up his file. We see his face and Scully's like, mm, face number. I don't have numbers. I That's the joke, right? But I don't actually have numbers. So, yeah. And if in watching this and the previous scene where he was there, you thought that Krishgal looked familiar, that is because he is played by John Finn, who also played William Gary, the father accused of murdering his entire family in the Millennium episode Covenant. And he will appear in four more X-Files episodes. Nice. Will he be the same character? Probably. Uh, I don't know. Probably not. He he is, but yeah. Oh, he is? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess that makes sense, given, yeah, I guess that makes sense, given his role in this. What we'll learn later. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So Mulder hangs x-rays of the alien body on light boards, while Arlinsky lists the body's stats for his autopsy report. The body is 147 centimeters long and weighs 24 kilograms. That's about 4 foot 10 and 53 pounds. The derma is hairless and gray with an elephantine texture. The head circumference is 64 centimeters. That's about 25 inches. He has four digits on each hand, three on each foot. The sex is indeterminate. Yes, Ken Crotch, though. Yeah, Yeah, Ken Crotch. Luis, he's just Ken. I don't know if you've seen the new Barbie posters. Anyway, we won't get into that. I but. saw that on Twitter because Ken means likes to fuck. It's so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's a it's a French slang word for yeah doing it. So it's, so just it's like all funny. Barbie does everything. Ken likes to fuck. Yeah. So it's yeah. El Pututs. Oh, so I forget what how it said, but like yeah, she can do everything, and like he, it's just Ken, but. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a little pun there that, you know, may or may not have been unintentional. The eyes are black, lidless, and covered by a thin membrane. And then it <laughs> they notice that visually he does have upper and lower lids. He does. Uh, like, you look at the thing, <laughs> he's got eyelids. And they're like, he's lidless. I'm like, no, he's not. There's I, I see eyelids right there. Boom. They're there. So, yeah. And there are marks on the skin that are probably from iron phosphate in the ice. Otherwise, there's no abrasions. And then later we see him cutting open the body and he notes that there is a cardioid pulmonary system, but also a massive white string-like tissue that doesn't appear to correspond to human physiology. Mm. Yeah, he cuts that ribcage right out. It seems like aliens have like cartilage rather than bones is what mm-hmm. it kind of seems like. Also, it seems like the alien, I mean, if there is blood in this body, it's red rather than being green. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Then, Department of Defense Research Division, Sessburg, Virginia. Scully sits in her car, staking out the building. She watches as people leave, and finally, Kritzkow appears. She starts her car and goes around to the parking garage, where she, like, like, goes her car right up to him like she's going to hit him. And so, of course, he runs, because, like, someone's coming at you with a car. And then she gets (laughs) out and pulls her gun and is like stop federal agent and you're under arrest and, da, da, da. and like she can't find him and she's like talking like you need to identify yourself anyway then a car pulls out and she runs she goes like in, back into the building and apparently like down the flight of stairs to like cut him off on the lower floor and she bursts out right in front of the car and i'm sorry there is no way she beat him the next level, <laughs> especially those stupid ass hills she's wearing. Cause she, you, you're watching her run. She can barely run in those things. Like, there's no way she caught that car. Cause he's like, like peeling out, taking corners at high speed. There's no way she caught that car. But okay, television. Anyway, gun drawn. She tells him to get out of the car and then pushes him down on the hood. 
and he apologizes for hurting her, but says that he had no choice. Also, she, like, a day before, she fell down a flight of stairs, and now she's, like, I running know, and beating I cars. Know. Like, come on. Anyway, <laughs> he says that if she arrests him, they'll kill him. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he tells her it's the same people who are trying to kill her. And Scully looks confused. And then he's like, the people who gave you your cancer. <gasps> and then we see Arlinsky is weighing one of the alien's organs. He turns to Mulder and says they should run tests, DNA and carbon dating. But if this is an alien, he doesn't know what it is. And then Mulder's phone rings. <gasps> who could be calling Mulder? I mean, whoever calls Mulder. I mean, we know the lone gunmen do, but they call his house and leave messages. Yeah, they leave a message and say, like, hey, we should go get some cheesesteaks. Cheesesteak sounds really good, actually, right now. At the conference table, Scully continues her story, telling them that she reached Mulder at a warehouse. They'd gotten the body across the Canadian border. After conducting a limited physical examination, Mulder was ready to believe the body was an extraterrestrial biological entity, that he had finally found the proof that had eluded him, which would confirm the existence of alien life, as well as proof of his sister Samantha's abduction. Blevins asks, but this man, Critchgow, had convinced you otherwise. How? I'm kind of surprised they didn't actually have Krichgau come to this hearing as well. I mean, he's not FBI, but he is like a government employee. Mm, it's true. Yeah. So Scully explains he told her a story that detailed point by point how Mulder had been deceived and used and how Scully, as his partner, had been led down the same path, losing a family member, her sister, due to her allegiance and contracting a fatal disease, which Scully was told was engineered by the men responsible for deceiving Mulder. Blevins asked if she was able to convince Mulder of that. She was only able to convince him to meet her and listen to what she had to say. <sighs> and then we see Mulder get into his car, presumably outside of the warehouse where they have the alien body. As he pulls away, we see a man in shadow sitting in a car watching him go. And then he cocks a shotgun. <gasps> Not good. And this commercial. And then inside the warehouse, Arlinsky and Babcock are wrapping the body in ice when the man raises the door and enters. He draws the gun and asks Babcock about his wound. Babcock says that he'll live. Arlinsky, realizing he's been betrayed, asks Babcock what's happening. And the gunman tells Babcock to get the door. And then there's a gunshot. And Arlinsky is dead on the floor. The gunman asks where Mulder went. And Babcock says, he got a call. And the gunman's like, is he a believer? And Babcock is like, oh, yeah. And the gunman <laughs> smiles and says, we're the only ones who know now. Yeah, I knew Babcock was sus. I felt bad because, like, after he got shot, I was like, okay, I was wrong. I was just picking up vibes that weren't there. But I was not wrong. He no. is sus. And I was totally expecting a second shot after the guy said, we're the only ones who know. But they didn't do that. So. Mm -hmm. Then we see Krichgau, and he's telling Mulder. So Mulder has shown up for this meeting. 
And he tells Mulder that the lie he's been led to believe is that there is intelligent life other than our own and that we've had contact with them. And Mulder says, so you're saying this is a hoax? And Krishkow nods and says, which you have been used to perpetuate. Mulder asks how he knows, and Krishkow says that by working for the DOD and watching a military-industrial complex that has operated unchecked during the Cold War to create diversions of attention from itself and has continued misdeeds by confabulating enough believable evidence to persuade passionate people like Mulder. And Mulder's like, well, why come to me now? Why not four years ago? And Krishkow says that he has a son who served in the Gulf War and is very sick. The lies are so deep. So it's personal to Krichgau now because, mm-hmm. right, that thing like, oh, this is fine unless it affects me. And now it affects me. Fuck, I got to take care of this shit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of messed up. But anyway, it is fucked up. But yeah. Yeah. He says the only way to cover them is to create something even more incredible. They invent in Mulder, his hypnotic regression, the story of his sister's abduction, the lies they told to his father. Mulder asks about the thousands of UFO sightings. And Krishkow says they're above top secret military aircraft designed specifically to feed the hysteria. And here I had the thought where like in skeptical inquiry, you like if you're going to investigate paranormal stuff, the first thing you should ask is like, well, did this actually even happen? Like, are, are right. you just making shit up? Right. And I had the thought of like, fuck, does Mulder even have a sister? Oh, God. <laughs> like, do we know? Like, we honestly, if you look back at the X-Files, we only have Mulder and, like, you know, like, no one. I don't even think that, like, his father or his sister even mentioned him. Or if they do, how do we know? They're not part of it, right? Like, no, do the we mom know that... knows because he's talked to her and she Yeah, mentioned... but do we know that she's part of it? We know that she probably banged the cigarette smoking man and not telling her son about it. So, like, but do we really know that? I mean, we, we can't really know anything, right? That's the problem with knowing things but like uh, that was my thought is like fuck does he even have a sister like oh, it's God. all fake <laughs> like you know I like you, did, you could implant yes, the memories but, yeah you could i don't know he only seems to ever have that same memory of her like we were playing satigo and she got abducted like there's never like oh and when she was three months old she like threw up on me or something like we don't have any of those right memories. well we don't we don't see all of Mulder's memories but you're right we haven't seen other ones so i don't yeah. know i mean it's a that's a fair question yeah she could be totally fake. There might not even be a Samantha Mulder. Like the files could be fraudulent, birth certificates, all that shit. It could all be fake. Could all be part of this. I mean, it doesn't make sense that they would go to all this fucking trouble to fool right, one yeah. guy. But you know, I mean, theory, it already kind of doesn't. Yeah. If you're gonna go down that conspiracy wormhole, like, does she even exist? Is the question you got to ask. It's true. So, it's true. Yeah. Mulder asks about the body they found, and Krishkow explains that it was meticulously constructed out of biomaterials and created through the hybridization of cells called chimeras. It was frozen in place over the course of a year using sediment and materials that would help confirm its age. Mulder argues that they had to know the body would be carbon dated and prove it a fake. And Krishkow says the body will never be tested. It was only meant to be seen, to believe it, so that he would go public with the news. And Mulder turns to Scully. And says Krishkow is a liar. Krishkow says he can see it for himself. The body is already long gone. Mulder gets up and leaves. He's like, fuck this shit. So. Yeah. He's well, he's being told like he just found amazing almost proof. And now he's being told it's fake, so he's not happy. Yeah. I mean, it looks fake as shit, honestly. So 
but it's not supposed to. <laughs> he and Scully arrive at the warehouse. Mulder calls for Alinsky, but there's no answer. He finds the metal table with ice still on it, but the body is gone. Then he finds Arlinsky's body. He's dead, Mulder says. So is this man, Scully says. And we see that Babcock is dead in the tub of water they used to melt the ice around the alien. So I guess he he did get killed after all. What I thought was funny is that Scully's like Mulder, and Mulder goes over to see what Scully saw, and he trips over Arlinsky's body. He's like, oh shit, Arlinsky's dead. Because Scully had already seen that Babcock was dead. I thought that was kind of funny. Because like, yeah. he's like trips over it. So... Mulder is still convinced the body is real, and that's why it was taken. The ice core samples checked out. Scully tells him the hybrid cells, like the ones Krichgau described, were found in the ice. Mulder asks if they know for sure those cells aren't extraterrestrial. Scully says everything Krichgau described, you can't just guess at those details. Mulder says after all he's seen and experienced, he refuses to believe it's not true. Scully says it's easier to believe the lie. <gasps> Mulder's like what the hell did he say to you that you're so convinced of his story Scully tells him that he said the men behind this hoax and behind these lies gave her cancer to make him believe and then Mulder walks away oh damn that's like double harsh like on both sides it is it is yeah like I'm dying because they wanted to make you believe something and then he's like whatever and like leaves like oh that's like harsh on both ends man it is it is it's one yeah it's honestly yeah i mean it's shitty and they're both in a shitty position but yeah i mean hmm. who is the judas so then we're back to the video of the nasa symposium where dr ashley montague is talking about the likely probability of intelligent life in the universe and then we see dr carl sagan speaking on the video so they're, they're all talking about the probability of aliens right like this is likely we're going to discover this this is going to be true and Mulder's watching it 20 years later and he starts to cry Mm-hmm. And then we see Scully, who is also near tears, as she continues her story to Blevins in the group. She tells them that early this morning, she was asked to identify a body. Agent Mulder died late last night from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. And that is the end. <gasps> well, thanks for listening to I Want to Rewatch. <laughs> And uh, I guess oh, we'll God. doing in search of a millennium. And uh, yeah. So can we talk about how like, oh no, Mulder is dead was also the big season two cliffhanger. Chris Carter, stop yeah, doing I mean, this to me. We kind of did that earlier. Yeah. With the, yeah. But, also, I don't believe you this time. Fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice. Shame on you for going to that well again. Come on. You can come up with something different. Yeah. Also like, uh, yeah. I mean, Scully will do whatever she can to skepticize things that are right in front of her. But even this is a little much, honestly. Well, so. it is. But then she believes the whole thing about government created cancer, which to me sounds even more unrealistic, right? Like that is less believable to me that people would like actively give someone cancer. But I guess, I don't know. I guess it depends on where you're coming from. It's all, oh, well, that's the thing, like where you're coming from. It, it almost is like because of the cancer, 
she is more willing to believe something. Like, she's been with Mulder for four years. Right. They've seen shit. She conveniently tends to not see shit. But mm -hmm. then even when she does see shit, she's like, I didn't see shit. So, but, like, she's been with Mulder for four years. And then this dude who, like, threw her down the stairs comes in and gives her a story. And she's like, oh, fuck yeah, this is the truth. And Mulder is a fool. Like, that. But, like. So that's the thing, but then also, what does she really believe? Because she is telling them Mulder's dead. Does she really believe Mulder's dead, or is this some thing they've concocted to fake his death? And is she in on it? I do not remember ding, ding, the ding, season ding, five ding, ding, premiere, ding, ding, right? So I don't remember if that's the case. You are right, but yeah, that was my suspicion: is that this whole thing is a concoction, and she actually doesn't believe what she's saying. So again. It becomes like this whole layer of layer of layer of like story, and it's like, wait, what does she actually think here? Like, we don't know yet, and we won't know till season five. Yeah, I mean, we in 2023, or even if you existed in like later 1997, like you would know Mulder's not dead, right? Right. It's just you know he's not dead. And I think but, even at the end of this, I don't think anyone after season two, everyone was like, no, Mulder's fine. No. They renewed the show. But. <laughs> You, I mean, you technically don't know if Scully thinks he's dead, right? Because they could have made like a doppelganger or you know something that looks like Mulder that he killed himself. Like we don't at this point, we don't know. I mean, we're gonna find out, right? It's not as hand wavy as season three, but yeah, there's a little bit of hand waviness to this. It's gonna happen. Sorry, people, but yeah. Don't apologize. That is Chris Carter's job. He still owes me ice cream. Well, I mean, for I mean, the people, blessing way. I mean, people live in the now, the future. Right. Like they know that like X Files did not end in season four, or did not continue on with like not Mulder and in yes. season five. I mean, it does continue on later without Mulder, <laughs> without Mulder and then yeah. Mulder comes back. But at some point, but yeah, right now, yeah, in season five. Mulder is still around, right? So people know. Like we're not we're not fooling anybody. Oh, I know. Like, I'm oh not trying God. to fool anyone. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's one of those things where I don't even think in ninety seven. I think most people were like, No, like we've yeah, already I mean, we're not buying this again. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think anyone in ninety seven was like, Oh, was legitimately like, Oh my God, is Mulder dead? No, people are like, Oh, how are they gonna explain this is what you're right thinking. exactly yes yeah. and then yeah you're right the question is does scully know what does she know what what is her part yeah. in this watching this and i again i know i've seen season five it has been 30 years my memory's not that great but buried deep in my brain meat is information that i may not have conscious access to but while i was watching this my whole thought was like oh she's definitely in on this this is something she and Mulder have planned like that's why she's telling Blevins he's dead, but she knows otherwise. But again, like I don't know if that's just me guessing or if like I literally know because I've seen season five years and years ago, and somewhere in my brain I, I'm aware of what's going on. Uh so yeah, I don't know. But I'm still annoyed by the whole cliffhanger of Mulder's <laughs> dead because I've already we just went through this. We just went through and the way they resolved it last time was not good. It was not good. No. I mean it's the, did not it's the problem with tying storytelling to capitalism. Right, like you gotta have the ratings. We gotta end this on a big cliffhanger. It's the same. It's it's the same reason I don't read comics anymore because they have gotten ridiculous. And every year we have to have some giant event that changes everything. And then the next year it changes change everything. everything. I no, like the and it's thing. just it's just like, can you just tell me a good story? 
Like, just tell me a good story. If it's got an ending, fine. And if it doesn't have an ending and you've got, like, mileage for it, then cool. But, like, don't do this crap constantly. Ugh, yeah. Also, funny, like, again, not being able to ignore the future. I think it's funny how, like, we keep talking about how, like, Scully is like, oh, a ghost just hit me in the face. And she'd be like, oh, that wasn't a ghost. That was whatever. But then, like, in season eight and nine, she is full on, like, well, we know ghosts exist. Why don't you believe this to, like, the other people in the show? Right. She's full on. Like, well, that's called character growth. Like, you have to have some. Because Mulder is gone. Yeah. So it's just ridiculous. But okay. Well, I mean, you have to grow as a character at some point. You can't just stay. I mean, you can, but that's kind of like sitcom logic. You got to, I mean, even sitcom characters grow where the sitcom's not very good. Yeah, it's just still. Anyway, back to this episode. <laughs> um, yep, this is the end of season four. Four. I was not as impressed with this as I hoped. I did like the alien in the ice thing. I thought that was cool. Kind of disappointed it's a hoax, but I guess it kind of has to be, right? Like it can't, or at least the body has to disappear and we can never prove otherwise. I was disappointed in the body because it didn't look good at all. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mind it that much, but I mean, at least there wasn't a zipper or something. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what I want to rate it because it's definitely not my favorite, but it wasn't like terrible. I, oh man, I don't know. I'm gonna give Scully the benefit of the doubt and assume she's putting on a performance for Blevins and that there is a grand plan here that I am yet to be privy to. And also, you're assuming the truth is what we make of it, yes. I am assuming that and not believing the lie. I'm believing the lie. I don't know which one anymore. I'm very confused. There's a lot going on here. I think I'm going to give it a seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah. Which is I'm probably generous, but I did like the alien in the eyes. I thought like at least the mystery was good. Um, I did kind of like the stuff with Scully and her family and I did like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not happy that her cancer has progressed, but like, I'm glad that storyline is still going and hopefully gets resolved next. I mean, season. there really wasn't a lot with Scully and her family. Like, she's no, at the but party. I... We hear her telling some stupid story about her brother as her brother conveniently comes in the door, and then everyone's like, "Oh, you made it!" And then they have some wine, and then the yeah. priest is like, "Why don't you believe in God anymore?" And she's like, "I'm not ready." And then she gets a call, and her brother is like creeping on her, and then yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so. I don't know. I mean, I and uh, supposedly she has three more brothers too, who I don't think we ever see. No, but I do. I just I don't know. She's dealing with a lot right now, so that's a lot to deal with. And then Mulder is pulling her into this alien stuff, which I know her brother kind of has a point. Like, why are you still working? <laughs> but I also get why she's still working. I understand. I'd be doing the same fucking thing. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a seven. That's that's just where my gut tells me to go with this, and we'll okay. see if if season five episode one can maybe do a little better well i think so you so you gave demons a six and then you're giving this a seven. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Oh, now you're <laughs> did i did i just cause something <laughs> Well, I might have to help demons a little, but I'll deal with that <laughs> okay. uh, when okay. we go through our season, whatever. So mm. Okay. So I gave demons a five. 
because again, I think I think demons had way like as a concept, demons had super potential, and then didn't really get there. If I'm relating it to the most recent episode, I think I can't say honestly. I was bored for most of this episode. It was kind of okay. Weird. That's fair. Yeah, um, and so I'm going to give it a four. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, which is what I gave zero sum. And again, myth arcs, myth arcs, like Tempest Fugate and Max are like the rarities as far as myth arcs go for me. Like, I'm not enjoying the myth arcs at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not really either. Like, there's just a lot going on. And I feel like every time I'm just left with more questions and answers, which I realize is part of the point, right? Because they're trying to progress this myth mm-hmm. arc story. But at the same time, it's like kind of frustrating as a viewer because you kind of walk in and then you're like, wait, well... If he means there's no aliens, then what about the alien hybrids? So that has to be a lie or something. I mean, none of it adds up. So someone's lying somewhere, which is the point. But like, yeah, it just gets really confusing when you well, try and like, like put it all together in your head. Times are we gonna see alien bodies and then be told like, oh, but these alien bodies are fake? Like, look, we just like it's like we've done this before. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like fool me once, right? Shame on me. Fool me. Like Mulder has been like how many times? Yeah. And I do like one thing I like about this episode is that he does kind of go in a little skeptical and he mentions that Arlinsky has already had like a scandal with a UFO photo. So he might not be the most reliable person. And he's a little bit like going in with a little bit of like trepidation. But then he sees the body and he's like, oh, fuck. And then, he, you know, I mean, he wants to believe, right? That's his thing. And so you present him with enough proof and he's going to really want to believe it. Yeah. I didn't have a question about that because, like, he openly admits that, like, oh, he did have an issue with, like, faking photos in the past. But, and I'm like, okay, well, that should be, like, okay, we need to look at this dude more. So, uh-huh. I mean, a little bit, but at the same time, it's like, okay, but then, yeah, I don't know. You can't judge a person by a single incident, but at the same time, yeah, it's well. And he claims, yeah, he claims his innocence, but yeah, it does kind of muddy the water. I don't know, it's confusing. I hope that we get some more clarity in season five. Mm, we'll see. It's good to see Blevins again, though. Hey, buddy, how you doing? We haven't seen him. I honestly almost didn't recognize him. I had to go yeah. back and double check that that was him in the opener because I was like. Is I mean, well, in the first in the pilot, like he's wearing glasses and stuff too. But also, it's been four years. Mm-hmm. He's a little older. So, he is a little older, and he's at that age where being older can make a difference too. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, wait, is that is that him? <laughs> it all goes downhill so. real quick after forty. It's just like Jesus Christ, <laughs> what's going on? Hey, speak for yourself. <laughs> speak for yourself. I just turned forty-one, and I'm like, fucking Jesus. All right, I will say the biggest. The biggest change I have noticed, I was looking at some old photos recently, is that um, my beard really went like it was like, oh, there's a little bit of gray. And now it's basically like I'm basically Santa Claus now mm-hmm. um, if I grow a beard out, which is kind of like, come on, dude, I'm 50. Like, how am I totally? But I had like gray hairs when I was like 12 years old. So Yeah. Yeah, that's not necessarily. I mean, I, I had gray hair starting in my late 20s, but it's funny because I got my hair cut a couple weeks ago and they did it really short and it was really cute. But when it was short and cute, I wasn't pulling it back anymore because whenever it gets long, I start pulling it back and I hate it. But like I'm bad at keeping it cut short. So I'm working on that. But when she cut it short, it was really cute. But like there were so many just gray hairs everywhere. And I was like, holy shit. Like 
I, I knew I had gray hair. I did not realize how much of my hair is now like gray and I had to like dye it really quickly. It was like, gray. I was going to say, did you dye it? It's black no. now. And all the gray hair dye because the black dye is like a blue black. And so like all the gray hair is blue. Oh, you go with so, the blue black. Okay. So my hair now looks blue black, which is funny because it never did before, but there's enough gray in there that it is now turning closer to blue. And I'm like, oh Lord. All right. Anyway. Yeah, because when cool. I still had hair and then was going gray, I also would dye my hair. But I, w- I would always go for like the more burgundy tint. Yeah. I just. Black. I'm so. an ex recovering goth. And so black dye is just what we do, right? Like black number one is a whole typo negative song about it. You just dye your hair black. And so I just got used to that. So I think that's the box I just pick up. I don't even think of picking up like a natural auburn red brown color. Cause I'm yeah. like, no, I just am going to go black. And so that's what I do. Yeah. Okay. Also, right. my hair was, my hair is like almost resistant to dye. It would last like, yeah, even some the, even the expensive ones it would last like a week, and then it would be just it'd be like hi, I'm not dyed anymore. So and then I eventually yeah. just gave up on dyeing it, and then it all went away. Unfortunately, so I don't worry about really dyeing it. Um, <laughs> no, that's yeah. one plus side. Yeah, all I mean, right, it's not, it's not a plus side at all. I'm very, I'm very attached to my hair. I don't need to be. It's very vain, but the fact that I lost my hair really bothers me because i hadn't i i had molder hair like you look at photos Aww. of me in my 20s i had floppy hair i had i had that floppy hair Aww. so yeah and then now i don't and i'm kind of like oh because you you know you have that mental image of yourself in your head of what you look like and then you walk by a mirror and you're like fuck, uh-huh. what the fuck is oh that? yeah so yeah happens to me all the time yeah yeah which but sucks because anyway. i look really cool in my head <laughs> Yeah, you look you look fucking awesome. Like (laughs) you get dressed and you're going somewhere and you're like, fuck yeah. And then you walk by like a window or something, you're like, oh, 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 and you like to shrivel up and that. Yeah. You want to just run home and curl up under the bed. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. Neither of us have self-esteem issues at all. You can tell. Never, 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 never. In a great place. What is that? Anyway. What does that mean? Self-esteem. What are you talking about? Yeah, so we'll be back with season five. <laughs> we will. We will be back with season five and eventually season six and seven and eight and nine and ten. And I think ah. ele- like 11. Yeah, there's 11, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And two movies. Oh, and two movies. Ooh, movie at the end of season five, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Season five yeah. and season six. Yeah. Movie in between. Movie, yeah. Ooh, movies. Cool. I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Episode production design and editing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz and The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. I Want to Rewatch is where we talk about the X-Files and X-Files adjacent television and films like X-Files films. If you like what we're doing, Tell a friend. We'd be happy to have them join us. So be sure to join us next time. And together, we'll try to figure out if if the the truth truth is still still out there.
do you want to keep going? Do you want me to? No, I don't want to keep going at all. Actually, I want to stop. Okay. <laughs>